You're listening to Root Lock Radio. Hello and welcome to Root Lock Radio, a podcast for uncloaking, learning, and exploring the tarot cards. My name is Weston, I live in New York City, and I'm your host. If you're a first-time listener, you should know that Rulock Radio is designed to be a course in tarot, and each episode builds on lessons from the previous episodes. In episode 11, we turned our focus to the court cards and discussed the personality traits of the four suits and the archetypal roles of the king, queen, knight, and page, and how each court card transcends both gender and human form, and is instead the energy of a personality that can attach to anything from a person or a group of people to a place or a situation. In this episode, we'll see how this happens in the suits of cups and wands by looking closely at the court cards of these two suits and examining the personalities these cards embody when drawn both upright and reversed, which is upside down. In the next episode, we'll do the same thing with the court cards of the pentacles and sword suits. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy this episode of Rootlock Radio. In the previous episode, we discussed the personality traits that can coincide with the four elemental energies and therefore the four suits of the minor arcana. And we also talked about the archetypal court positions that are depicted in the four types of court cards, which are kings, queens, knights, and pages. I suggested that you lay out all 16 of the court cards into a grid of personality types in which the rows are the four suits, and the columns are the kings, queens, knights, and wands, starting with the kings on the left and the other cards going to the right. And the way that each of these court cards derives its particular meaning, or the particular personality type that emerges from the card, is where the card sits on that grid, and how the particular elemental energy of the suit intersects with the archetypal court position of the card. So now, as we move into the specific court cards, we'll keep that in mind as we look closely at each of the cards. So just to give you a little bit of a preview of how I'm going to cover these cards, I will talk first about what we see on each of the cards. And when I do that, I will use the masculine and feminine pronouns of he and she in describing the cards, because the archetypal figures of the court are depicted pretty clearly as being male or female. But when I talk about what the card comes up as in a reading, I want to remind you that the gender identity of the person on the card really has nothing to do with the possible meaning of the card in a reading. And we really want to just open our minds and think about that meaning as being a personality. And that personality is being applicable to people of all gender identities, 
as well as groups of people, locations, situations, and really anything at all that has particular traits to it. So for instance, your workplace could have a personality to it, or your hometown, or your group of friends, or an individual friend. So let's just keep this in mind as we talk about those cards. And I'll try to steer clear of those gender-specific pronouns of he or she when discussing the meanings the cards can take on in readings, and hopefully this will help us to not confuse the gender of the archetypal figure on the card with the many possibilities it can take on in a tarot reading. I'll also mention what the reversed version of the personality could be. So if you draw the card upright, we're seeing the positive intention behind that personality trait. Now, of course, intentions aren't everything, and some of these personalities have flaws even when they are expressed with a positive intention. But when the card comes up reversed or upside down, we're seeing that intention corrupted. And we'll talk about how each of these 16 personalities can come up in a more corrupted version and what type of personality that would look like. Now, as I mentioned a little bit last time, this isn't the only way that reversed cards can operate. So I don't want you to get the idea that every card coming reversed is the negative to the positive of it being upright. That's just the case with the court cards and some of the other cards in the deck. But we'll cover reversals in the rest of the tarot deck in depth in the episode after we finish talking about the court cards. So with the court cards, I'm going to start out by talking about the suit of wands. And when you look at these cards in the suit of wands, you'll notice a few things are kind of consistent across the four court cards. One is the color scheme. There's a lot of oranges and reds and yellows, and this corresponds with the elemental energy of fire, which rules the suit of wands. You'll also notice that the sky is perfectly blue, and that corresponds to the overall optimism that tends to come along with fire energy. Fire energy tends to not doubt its capability of accomplishing things. You may also notice the desert landscape, and this also corresponds to the fire energy, where the sun burns bright, but we also tend to have a little bit of a lack of the water energy in the desert. So we're much more in line with the energy that we associate with the magician card than that of the high priestess card, which we associate with the element of water. Another interesting aspect of these cards is that three out of four of the cards have pyramids on them. And pyramids are a great representation of the type of rulership that we can associate with a fire court. When we think of the pyramids of ancient Egypt, we think of one of the great wonders of the world. And the idea that it's almost impossible to imagine how the Egyptians built these pyramids. And in fact, it's taken us a long time to even theorize how they might have done so. So a society ruled by a fire court wants to accomplish the impossible. We have that fiery drive to conquer tasks and to come out on top and to win and to always accomplish more, more, more. And the pyramids are a nice embodiment of that. So that's what we're seeing in the pyramids on these cards. So now let's look at the cards individually, starting with the page. So as we remember, pages are 
the most simple human expression of the energy of the suit. In one way, I like to think of pages because they're sort of initiating something or just beginning to examine or understand or figure out how they're going to use the energy of the suit. I like to think of the page as a person who has reached out and grabbed the symbol of the suit from the hand from the clouds that we see in the ace card. So in the ace card, that energy just sort of manifests out of nowhere. An opportunity is presented or that raw energy is given to us. And the page represents the ability to grab the energy and harness it and then figure out what direction to go in. And we'll remember that pages are students or assistants or learners or people who have a very simple and clear task in front of them. Now you may notice that this particular page looks a little bit like the fool, particularly in the way that he's dressed, his boots and his cape, and the fact that he's holding a wand, much like the fool is holding that stick with a bundle on it. Because this is the fire page, He's the most fool-like of the pages, and all the pages are somewhat fool-like. What we have here is the initiation of this fire energy by a human. So what that can mean for us is kind of this adventure-seeking, or this desire to start something that's a passion project, or to explore the things that are related to fire, so things like sexuality or spirituality. So we have a very curious and adventurous page on our hands here. We also see that on his hat he has a little flame-like feather. You'll also maybe notice that the pattern on his shirt is one of lizards chasing their own tails. And this is something we'll see repeated in some of the other fire suit court cards. And what I think this represents is this idea that in the fire suit and in a fiery personality, we have this sort of constant drive that comes from inside. When we think of a lizard chasing its own tail, it can just go round and round and round and round. And it's sort of that energizedness that we see in something like the infinity sign, which might remind us of both the magician card and the strength card, both of which also have fire energies, and both of which are very energized. The magician operates as a conduit of energy in the universe, and the strength card denotes an embracing of the energy that comes from within and from finding our true nature. And traits of both of those major arcana cards play pretty major roles in the personalities of the court cards in the wand suit as well. And so these characters within the fire suit have this internal drive and this sort of internal resource of energy that's a little bit endless. And it also means that they never really feel like they've completed something. Even if they totally win a battle or conquer a task, they're not satisfied and they want to take on the next task and the next bigger task, which is again something that those pyramids are hinting at. Now, the way that this page is looking at the wand is he's very carefully inspecting it and kind of marveling at it, and it might remind us a little bit of the Two of Wands card, where we see the figure holding the globe in his hands and sort of trying to figure out what to do. So if you pull the Page of Wands upright, it's denoting a personality that is full of youthful passion and the desire for adventure. And it can also be driven by creativity and passion and potentially sexuality as well. And there's a lot of excitement in this 
personality and enthusiasm and optimism and just the drive to take on something new, very eager to begin this task, and a lot of optimism and confidence that the task will be conquered. But if you draw this card in the reversed, that energy is a little bit corrupted, and the primary force of corruption of personalities in the fire energy is narcissism. So when you infuse this youthful passion with narcissism, you might have kind of a naive narcissism, or this belief that you inherently know about something, and you don't really need to learn or study it. So this personality would be one that thinks it kind of already knows everything, even though it, it has accomplished or experienced very little. So it's a lot of this like overconfidence at the beginning of something. So in the reverse, one way that we could think about this figure is maybe he's kind of like one of those boys on the Five of Wands card, where he's kind of unwilling to compromise and looking to put up a fight, even though it's preventing the group from accomplishing anything. And this being rooted in that my way or the highway type of narcissism. Another way that this youthful energy in the fire could be corrupted is just by the fire going out. So it could, in reverse, also potentially denote a personality that lacks that passion or excitement in a new endeavor or adventure. So when we move on to the Knight of Wands, we see some similarities to the page the fiery colors, the flame-like feathers or adornments on this knight's armor and helmet, and we also see the pyramids and the desert landscape in the background. But this particular figure is riding a horse, like all the knights, and it's important when you're thinking about the knights to really look carefully at what their horses are doing because they're all different. So this particular horse is a fiery red, and it's got kind of a bouncy canter to it. So when you compare it to the way that the other horses are, are moving, this particular horse is probably moving pretty fast, but it's kind of bouncy. It doesn't look like it necessarily has a clear direction. And this is what happens when you kind of combine the fire energy of the suit of wands with that fire energy of the knights, as well as that agency that the knights have. Remember, they're kind of like the chariots of their particular suit. So when we think about the fire energy, it's very adventure-seeking, right? It wants to just seek out a lot of adventures and to conquer things and to accomplish tasks, but it's not necessarily taking time to think things through because we're more in alignment with the magician than the high priestess. So this particular knight is very much a adventure for adventure's sake type of personality. And again, we see those lizards chasing their own tails. And one way to think of that can be, yes, that constant energizedness, sort of like an infinity sign, but there's also the potential for futility, right? What's the point of chasing your own tail? When a dog does that, we all kind of laugh and think, oh, stupid dog, because there's no point in really doing that. So when we have adventure for adventure's sake, we are at risk of futility. So if you draw the Knight of Wands upright, what it's denoting is a very adventurous personality and one that seeks out adventure for adventure's sake and one that prioritizes this need for adventure above all else. 
And this particular personality is driven by this fiery desire to accomplish and to gain recognition, right? Because knights have that valiance, and what comes with that valiance is a little bit of a desire for others to recognize what they're doing. And so this knight personality is very much seeking out challenges to conquer and win, and it's very competitive, but it doesn't necessarily have a very clear strategy because we're doing that very unthinking energy channel in this particular night where we're kind of doubling up on that magician energy with both the suit and the figure. So that might potentially get this knight into a little bit of trouble. Even if you draw it upright, there is some of that potential for adventure for adventure's sake leading to some problematic situations. Another thing knights do is they try to come to people's rescue, right? And this one might be a little bit too hot to trot in rescuing people and might occasionally come to the rescue when it's not necessary or not wanted just because that's the role that they really want to play. Now, if you draw this reversed, that fairly well-intentioned adventure for adventure's sake is corrupted. And here the corrupting force isn't just narcissism, but, all the, but also the corrupted expression of adventurousness, which would be recklessness or impulsiveness. So the personality becomes recklessly adventurous. They're really not thinking things through to the point that they're probably causing some destruction with their desire for adventure or their desire to come to the rescue. And that desire to come to the rescue is driven more by narcissism rather than a desire to help someone, right? They really want to be recognized for what they're doing, but they're not doing it in a very strategic way to the point that it's more destructive than it is helpful. So really that narcissism and that recklessness begin to permeate the card when you draw it reversed. Now the Queen of Wands is a really lovely card because she provides that much needed feminine balance to this otherwise very masculine court. When you look at the Queen of Wands, one thing you may notice are lions and sunflowers. So the lions will remind us of the strength card. So we get the idea from the strength card that a person is expressing themselves in a way that's very true to their inner true self, right? It's got that kind of coming out energy to it. So we get the sense that the Queen of Wands is very comfortable with herself and very much in touch with who she truly is. And that comes through that deep wisdom and experience that the queens all have. And when we see sunflowers, like the one she's holding, and the way that her crown looks is very sunflower-like, and there are a couple of those on her throne as well, we think of the sun card, which is just that pure joyous energy, as well as things like clarity and illumination. So when you combine those two things, what you have is just the joy that comes with being completely comfortable with yourself. And the queens, because they're so experienced and wise and deep thinking, this is all coming from a very deep understanding of how important it is to just accept oneself for who you are. And on top of this, the sort of unintended results, which goes very nicely with the potential for narcissism of the fire suit, is that someone who's like this automatically becomes very magnetic, right? So we all like being around someone who's just truly comfortable with who they are. 
It makes us, in turn, comfortable. And so this black cat at her feet is sort of the embodiment of that. This idea that when someone is truly happy with who they are and emanates this idea of comfort, other creatures, both human and not, want to be around this person. And as anyone who has experience with cats knows, cats in particular cannot be forced to like you or to enjoy your company. A cat will only hang out with you if it likes the way you make it feel. Now, the black cat might also give her a little bit of a witchy energy, right? She's holding a wand, she's got a black cat. So we do have that magician-like ability to channel things. But when you combine it with her more high priestessy, deep thinking, intuitive qualities, we have someone who is truly potentially a little bit witchy and magical. And this stems from this great combination of her intuitiveness, her ability to channel energy, and her true understanding of her deepest self. And this is a combination that many people would say is a good formula for witchiness. Another thing we'll notice is that her legs are kind of spread apart. So her comfort with herself also translates to sexuality, which is another thing that's ruled by the suit of wands. So not only is she just comfortable with who she is, she's also very accepting of her own sexual self and comfortable with that as well. And when you look at the way that her face is, you'll see she's practically facing forward, but she's looking a little bit to the side. And in some of these court cards, it's really important to look at the way that they're facing, right? The Knight of Wands is very much moving forward. He is moving towards the King of Wands. He's got that ambition to move up. But she is almost looking forward, but a little bit to the side. And it's almost as if she's just sort of striking a pose so that you can appreciate her, but not in an overly narcissistic way. So she's letting you look at her and appreciate how beautiful and comfortable she is. She's not looking right at you and making you feel uncomfortable, but she's not overly showy either. So it's just this perfect embodiment of that comfort with oneself that she represents. So if you draw the Queen of Wands upright, it's representing a personality that is permeated with this just comfort with oneself and being in touch with everything from their own desires to their own value and beauty and just being completely comfortable and happy with who they are. And the idea that this is very magnetic and draws other people and creatures to them, and that there might even be a touch of sort of magical energy to this feeling, right? When we're around someone who's really magnetic, we feel that there's maybe some kind of magic to it. And so this is a personality that's very much about charm and comfort and magnetism, but not in a way that's narcissistic. It's like all of the qualities that would be the higher form of narcissism are embodied in this Queen of Wands. But if we draw her reversed, that narcissism comes in and corrupts that energy. So what we really have is a showiness and a attention-seeking and wanting to be the center of attention that's driven out of an insecurity that cannot be satiated. Or a personality that wants to be the center of attention but is not comfortable with itself. And there might be some affected confidence in that personality as well. Now, finally looking at the King of Wands, one thing we might notice is that he's really looking outward, away from his court, right? If you put the four cards in a row with him on the left, he's looking away. So he's not really so concerned with the internal workings of 
whatever society he's commanding. And that's because he's already accomplished that, right? And the fire energy always wants to seek out new accomplishments. So when he's looking out away from his other court cards, he's really looking for the next battle or the next thing to conquer. But as a king who has sort of accomplishment and status and social responsibility, he's a little more stabilized, right? He has that sort of stabilizing energy of the emperor card. So he's not going to just jump out and attack anything that comes his way, but he's always kind of ready for that next adventure, that next accomplishment, should it present itself in a way that makes sense. Because he also has the logic of the emperor. And that lizard sitting next to him describes this. When we think of lizards, they're symbols of messengers or spies, right? The idea of a chameleon being able to change colors. So the lizard represents this king's desire or ability or readiness to deploy at any moment. On his throne, we also see lions, so we have that strength. And then we see these lizards chasing their own tails, but they've actually caught their own tails. So this sort of begins to denote that there is a ultimate achievement that can be reached, right? There's no one with a higher status than the king. And though he is ready to seek out more adventures, he does have an understanding of the fact that he has the highest status in the land, and with that comes a sense of responsibility for others that he does take seriously. You also don't see the pyramids in this card. So again, that's kind of like how he's looking away from his court. The pyramids have already been built. That's already been done. And he's just waiting to find out what the next bigger and greater achievement will be. So if you pull this card upright, you're getting a personality that's in charge and rules with a bit of a passion and adventurous side. Now it's not reckless or impulsive because it realizes its social responsibility. This personality is very aware that it isn't in a position to be reckless or impulsive in the same way that the knight might be. But it is ready to pounce on an opportunity to expand their achievements or to take on realistic goals that they think they can accomplish. Now, this king is protective, right? He kind of looks like a wall between his court and the outside world, but he's not overly concerned with the internal working. So the personality associated with this kind of is not so focused on what's already been accomplished. Accomplished. It's looking forward. It's a visionary. Now, if you draw the King of Wands reversed, the narcissism and impulsiveness permeates this personality, and we end up with an impulsive and reckless leader, and one that seeks out more adventures and more accomplishments without the stability that we have in the upright. So the primary corrupting force might be sort of the destabilizing of that emperor energy. And someone who has power but doesn't really respect the gravity of the position that they're in and is willing to sort of risk not only what is theirs but what belongs to the whole society that they rule in order to accomplish more. And it's driven by narcissism. The King of Wands reversed is very much the card of an imperialist ruler, one whose ego is feeded by this desire to conquer more people and annex more land, and just this idea that they want to be as powerful as possible, and they're willing to be sort of reckless and narcissistic and impulsive in trying to conquer.
Now when we move along to the court cards of the suit of cups, and we look across these four cards, there's some things that we might notice. The first is that there's a lot of watery colors, right? We see quite a bit of blue in what they're wearing and the water in the cards and the sky in two of the cards are blue. We also see a little bit of gray, which might denote to us a little bit of the more depressive or wallowy side of water energy. And we also see some yellow in each of the cards, which reminds us that water can also be a source of happiness. And this presence of water in each of the cards just denoting that there is a constant in-touchness with the deep emotional feelings that is ruled by the water realm. And we have a lot of that high priestess energy of intuition and meditation and stillness permeating these cards. But the way that the water energy interacts with the archetypal court figures varies across these four cards. And just as with the wand court cards, a whole scope of personalities emerge from these interactions. But because the water energy is more internal, these cards can be a bit more difficult to read, and are a great example of why understanding the underlying systems of meaning is imperative to really getting to know the tarot. So when we look at the Page of Cups, we see a figure holding a cup. So again, he's kind of like the person that's reached out and grabbed the cup that's offered in that ace card. And he's standing there looking at it, and there's a fish popping out. And some aspects of the setting in which this card is depicted echoes a little bit of that High Priestess card, right? He's standing on a platform, and behind him we see that body of water. In the same way that the High Priestess is sitting on a platform, and behind her we see a body of water that we consider her to be a sort of gatekeeper of. So in a sense, the page has perhaps made it through that gate. So we get the sense that this page is working within the realm of the High Priestess. So those deep feelings, the intuition, the meditation, those feminine qualities that we associate with her. And he might even be a bit of her apprentice, in a sense. When we look at his clothes, the hood over his head looks a little bit like a wave that's washing over him. So he's very much in touch with the emotional flow. We also see lotus flowers on his frock. And lotuses, we think of something that emerges from the water. So these blossoms that come out of the water, and we see those on the Ace of Cups cards as well. And so that's denoting this potential for the beauty that can emerge when we really get in touch with the deep emotions. These flowers come out of the water and are little gifts from that deep part of ourselves. And the fish also is like a messenger from the deep emotional side, right? Fish go and swim around in bodies of water. And so a fish popping out of this cup at him is sort of like it's bringing a message from the water realm. And it looks like he's listening, the page is listening, but it also looks like he might not totally understand what the fish's message is, or at least be able to verbalize it. It might be a bit lost in translation, which is something we can often feel about those messages that come from deep within ourselves. They don't necessarily lend themselves to words or logic, but we just have to listen intuitively. In the same way, we can only guess what a fish is thinking by watching it closely and using our intuition. And another thing we may notice is that the water in the background doesn't look particularly still, but it doesn't necessarily look scary either. It's just sort of swelling and energized. And so it gives us the sense that the water is activated in some way. 
And that comes from the page's initiation energy and that fool energy. You know that the page is at the start of something. He wants to listen to and understand the messages from this mysterious realm, and he's eager to get in touch with what's under the surface. So he's sort of activating the water in order to explore what's down there. And the fish is bringing him a message of that. And the lotus flowers are reminding us of the potential of that. But also the sky is gray, which suggests the murkiness or cloudiness of this endeavor. Often when we begin to explore our own emotional undercurrent, it's not necessarily a very clear or easy task. It can be like navigating foggy waters, which is also embodied in this card. So if you draw the Page of Cups upright, it's representing a personality that is taking an interest in exploring the watery, deep-feeling, meditative, and intuitive realm that lies deep within. And a personality that is really seeking out ways to receive messages from the subconscious. Again, we have sort of an apprentice or student of the High Priestess. So this is probably someone who's taking on some sort of spiritual, emotional, meditative journey. So it could perhaps be someone who is doing some form of emotional work, perhaps going to therapy, or developing a meditative or spiritual practice, like something that brings a lot of people to tarot. If you draw the Page of Cups reversed, then this is corrupted, right? And we have this refusal or unwillingness to explore the emotional depths, or perhaps someone who is being naive or immature emotionally or spiritually, or a refusal to learn a lesson about feelings. And we see some of that rigidity that doesn't go very well with emotion. So we might think of the Four of Cups card, where the person is refusing the cup that's being held out to them by the hand from the clouds. So someone who's refusing to step into the emotional flow and understand what makes things work down there. And it can be a bit of a card of a arrested development, particularly around emotion. This rigidity of refusing to explore that very intangible and illogical part of ourselves and others. Now, the Knight of Cups, one thing you might notice about him is that the landscape that he's on is somewhat deserty. There is a river running through it, but there's a bit of a fire energy to this landscape. And that reminds us that the knights are the fiery ones. They're the magicians and the chariots of the court. And so the fire energy balances the water out a little bit, and vice versa. And this is a knight that has a lot of balance to him. So when we think of knights being adventurous and impulsive and wanting to just go, 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 this particular knight has conquered that desire and through his in-touchedness with deep feeling is able to channel that into a very helping energy. So we see that he's turned back, right? The horse is not facing forward like the Knight of Wands. It's facing backwards. So we get the idea that he's sort of making sure that the people behind him are okay, particularly because they're trying to cross that river. And when we think of a river and crossing one, we might think of the death card, right? There was a river in the background of the death card and the idea of death as being crossing over. And we also think of the Five of Cups where there's that river in the background of that cloaked figure who is in the grieving process. So the Knight of Cups is very much someone who is around to help 
through big transitions and emotional trauma and emotionally difficult situations. So the Knight of Cups does embody that bravery and valiance of the knights, but in a way that's very in touch with emotions and emotionally intelligent. And another thing that we might notice is those angel's wings on his helmet and his shoes. And this reminds us that he's sort of the guardian angel of the court cards. And you also see those fishes on his frock, which suggests to us that he's very in touch with what's going on under the surface for both himself and other people. And his patience and bravery and emotional intelligence make him someone that you would want to have around during a big transition or a very emotional or grief-stricken time. So if you draw the Knight of Cups upright, it's denoting a personality that has emotional fearlessness. And fearlessness is kind of synonymous with adventurousness, right? But it has a little bit more to offer to other people. It's a personality that's characterized by a desire to help others get through crossing over or transitional times. And a person who plays a guardian angel role for others. And so this particular knight is a really nice balance of that feminine emotional energy and the fiery energy of the knight. And so this card in one way embodies the balance that we seek out in the major arcana that comes into full realization in the world card. So the knight of cups is very enlightened as well. If you draw this card reverse, though, that steadiness is corrupted, and the knight's more reckless side comes out, and it denotes something of emotional recklessness, and potentially some sort of manipulation in order to create drama. And of course, drama is a certain kind of adventure for some people. Or it could also denote the kind of personality that will abandon someone during a difficult transition and be quite the opposite of the identity of the Knight of Cups as the guardian angel. Now moving on to the Queen of Cups, what we have here is almost like a double high priestess, because the queens are so in touch with that intuition and wisdom that comes with the high priestess card, and then when you combine it with the water energy, it's, a, it's almost like you have the high priestess doubling up on herself. And when you look at this queen, she looks like she's of the water, right? Her gown seems to almost be part of the water, which is pretty similar to the High Priestess card. But we also have something of the natural world in here that might remind us more of the Temperance card, in which one of her feet is on the land and the other is in the water. And so we have that emotional stability. But unlike the Temperance card, she's kind of surrounded at least on three sides by water, or may even be on an island isolated in the water. So though she's emotionally stable, she's hyper aware of emotions and feelings and very in touch with those deep feelings. That's the world that she inhabits. We see those mermaid babies on her throne, and this is kind of a development of the fish that we see in the other cards, right? The fish are taking on a human form, and unlike the Page of Wands, she's able to communicate with these creatures of the water realm because they're human. So her in-touchness with what's beneath the emotional surface is really serving other humans. 
and kind of like the Queen of Wands, there's a certain magneticism that comes with her deep emotional wisdom. And we should remember that with all the queens, people admire them and want to be around them. And it's the realm of each queen's particular suit that determines what attracts people to them. She's looking at this very stylistic cup, right? And and studying it very, very carefully. And it seems as though the cup might be sending her some kind of message. And it looks like it's some kind of holy cup or holy grail even. And so what this says to us is that to this particular queen, the watery, deep feeling, meditative and intuitive realm is where holiness lies. And so we have a very emotional, spiritual person here. So if you draw the Queen of Cups upright, we are finding a personality with this very deep emotional stability and wisdom to the point that it's almost religious in nature. This is a personality characterized by a deep understanding of emotional complexities and is able to really dive into emotions but maintain a stability. And because of this, this personality is able to explore and understand the mystery of the watery realm. And though it's impossible to explain to anyone in words or with logic, their intuitive abilities are inviting to others. And this person has a deep and profound intuition. But if you were to draw the Queen of Cups reversed, this is corrupted by the more negative aspects of the emotional life. And you have someone who is jaded or deeply scarred by emotional experiences. So it can denote something like unresolved trauma or triggers. Someone who's stuck in or operates out of emotional pain and drags others down with them. So that influence that the queens have over others, the way they're able to kind of permeate the area around them and the people around them, becomes negative and depressive and down-dragging. So the Queen of Cups reversed could manifest in something like PTSD, in which someone's experiences become a deep problem for them. They have the emotional experience without the understanding of the upright queen and operate from a place of emotion that becomes a problem for them and for those around them. Now, the king of cups, you'll see, is situated on a throne that's sort of just isolated in the middle of the water, right? He's kind of on his own little island. And you see a fish jumping out of the water behind him. But that fish looks a little odd or less friendly than some of the other fish we've seen. So there might be kind of a worry energy there. And unlike the king of wands, he's looking back on all this subjects, which says to us that he's primarily concerned with what he he's already accomplished and the realm that he rules. He's got a very caretaking style of ruling, and he's not so much concerned with looking out or looking forward, but more of taking care of what he already has and concerning himself with that. You see he's wearing a red and yellow cape, which is a very fiery color, and that reminds us that the king's role is one of action and quick thinking. But because he's so concerned with deep feelings and emotions and relationships, his position is a little bit at odds with his disposition. And so that is why he's on this particular island and kind of in isolation. Because though he, as the king, is supposed to be working from a more logical, emperor-like standpoint, The more emotional realm is what he's in touch with, and there's sort of a disconnect there. 
So he might not be the most effective king, but he's well-loved because his caretaking is very apparent. So if you draw the King of Cups upright, it denotes a personality of someone who's in charge and rules with their heart, and the personality of a position of leadership that is primarily concerned with caretaking rather than commanding. And it can also denote passivity in a leader, but one that is well-intentioned. So you might have a bit of indecision or the inability to make clear decisions that stems from a form of leadership that wants everyone to feel taken care of and loved. And the main issue with this particular type of person is that they're still fitting into the king archetype and the masculine expectations of that role, but they're primarily permeated with a feminine intuitive energy. So neither the requirement for them to take charge nor their inclination toward the deep feeling realm gets expressed very well, and others consider them too soft or ineffective even if they are well-liked, and they end up feeling depressive and wallowy and emotionally stifled by others' expectations for them to be more of a masculine figure. Now, if you draw the King of Cups reversed, you end up with a personality that is oscillating between the need to exert its command and power and being disturbed by its inability to please everyone, and things start to get very sloppy. This could be a personality that's hopelessly passive or overly emotional while still trying to maintain power over others. And they might be a little bit embarrassingly ineffective or too soft for the particular role that they are in, but unwilling to admit it or to give up that role to someone else. And this particular personality could be very distressed or depressed or disturbed by the reality that they are incapable of pleasing everyone. But unlike the King of Cups upright, a King of Cups reverse personality may lose control and start to make decisions that are driven by these negative emotions rather than the positive ones like love and caring. Rootlock Radio is a podcast for uncloaking, learning, and exploring the tarot cards. It's written and produced by me, Weston. If you're listening to this just after the release date, I want to tell you that I'll be traveling to Wyoming this month to see the full solar eclipse on August 21st. If you're interested in knowing about that experience, you can follow me on Instagram. My handle is rootlocktarot. Music for today's show was provided by Shenandoah Davis and Jeray. You can find information about both of those artists in the show notes. The song you're hearing now is called Supernatural Powers by Shenandoah Davis. It's on her forthcoming album titled Souvenirs, out September 8th. She also just released a beautiful music video for this song and is going on a U.S. tour, so now is a great time to familiarize yourself with her wonderful music. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you'll join me next time for Root Lock Radio. Root Lock Radio